All right, welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, of course, and I will be your host once again. Today is July the 10th, 2014. Hope you guys all had a happy and safe uh, holiday weekend. We uh, did up in Chicago. It was very, it was beautiful weather. Um, I think we only got the police called on us uh, four times, uh, which is probably a new record. Because <laughs> uh, you you can't shoot fireworks off in the city limits. They don't like that. So, uh, yeah, that's my, my tip for you tourists out there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, back to pool. Coming up, the uh, APA and uh, the BCAPL both. They've got their uh, their finals coming up, so there is going to be a whole lot of people playing pool uh, in July. You would think, you know, with the summer going on, but nope. Uh, with these two events, I think we may have uh, the biggest congregations of pool players on the planet going on. So uh, that's going to be a lot of excitement. I know that uh, the uh, CSI slash BCAPL, they're going to be streaming uh, part of theirs and the uh, the invitationals as well. So uh, there will be some good, good, good pool uh, to be watched here coming up in about a week or so. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, what else is going on? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, speaking of the the uh, the finals, we are talking with. Jason Bowman, actually, of uh, the APA. He's the National Marketing Director. Um, he's going to give us the inside scoop as far as uh, a little bit of history behind the APA and uh, what's coming up with their, their final events as well. So stick around for, for Jason. Um, did you get to see online anything about President Obama playing pool? There was, uh, he made an appearance and uh, was playing pool. And of course, there's photos and some video all over the internet and stuff. And uh, it's kind of funny um, because, you know, you got some people that want to cheer and say, hey, look, you know, if the president plays, it's not so bad. Uh, And then you've got other people that look and watch him play and say, oh, wow, he kind of stinks. <laughs> I, You know, I don't, it doesn't bother me either way. I am just delighted, though, to have yet another president that plays. Um, it's a tradition in our country uh, to have presidents that play pool or play billiards of some kind. Um, you, you know, Kennedy, Eisenhower... Nixon, Carter, Clinton, uh, President Adams, Reagan, Bush, uh, Roosevelt. As a matter of fact, Roosevelt had um, Willie Hoppy and Catherine Haywood play in the White House for for them. Um, Monroe, actually, he had a nickname. He was Eight Ball Monroe. We've had tons of them play, and I think. Now, I mean, I'm sure that not everyone played, but one in particular that comes to mind um, is the Clintons. They actually had the pool tables removed from the White House. Uh, so we don't like Hillary. If you guys were thinking about electing her for president, nah, nah, 
that's not going to work. I got a funny little story, though, about the presidential pool. Um, in case you hadn't read this before, you've heard of uh, President John Adams and, uh, of course, John Quincy Adams. Back in uh, the 1830s, when uh, John Quincy was running against Andrew Jackson, it was probably the nastiest election campaign in American history. What happened was Adams was in office and his son was his secretary. And he had taken uh, inventory of different items in the White House and they were petitioning Congress uh, to get more money for furnishings. And John Jr., or John Adams Jr., mistakenly listed a billiard table that they had paid for to have put into the White House out of their own pocket. He mistakenly listed it on a list of uh, things that had been purchased for the White House. And uh, so it was kind of an accident that uh, the table being in the White House got discovered in the first place because probably nobody nobody would have known otherwise. So they're going over this list of appropriations, uh, congressional appropriations for furniture, and all of a sudden they see that there's a billiard table listed uh, that has been paid for and put into the White House. Oh, man, Andrew Jackson's camp got a hold of that, and uh, they latched on to it. They basically called uh, uh, Adams, uh, what do you want to call it, a gambler. He was uh, um, playing fast and loose with public funds. They may, uh, made a big stink out of it, calling Adams this uh, mm, low-life gambler type thing. And, of course, the pro-Adams camp attacked Andrew Jackson's marriage, said it was adulterous. Uh, they said that Adams or Jackson not only played pool, but he gambled. He gambled at the racetrack, poker games, and his wife, heavens to Mercatroyd, Andrew Jackson's wife was a pipe smoker. Can you, can you just imagine the horror in 1830, finding out that that, that uh, presidential candidate's wife smokes pipe, yeah, you just women didn't do that, and proper men like uh, generals and presidents shouldn't be gambling. That's not something that they uh, looked highly upon. So the presidential election itself between Jackson and and Adams was was just awful turned into a mudslinging fest. It it just cracks me up because uh, I don't think that some of the things that they did back then, some of the things that they said, would uh, would be allowed to fly today. Uh, the, the slander and uh, whatnot. So, uh, anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, but my only point is that, hey, if the president plays pool, then... By golly, he can't be all that bad, you know? Can't be that bad of a guy. 
maybe he doesn't do a great job at, at his job, but by golly, you know, he plays pool. Give him a break, would you? <laughs> We're going to go uh, take a break real quick and come back with uh, Jason Bowman from the APA. Stick around. Welcome back, everybody. I am talking with Jason Bowman. He's the National Marketing Director for the APA. How's it going for you there, Jason? Things are going well. Things are going very well. We're just uh, kind of finishing up on the the, the uh, Vegas qualifying season in our local league areas around the country. Everybody getting mm-hmm. ready for, for another big event uh, in August. So, um, you know, just a lot going on as, as is usual around uh, around here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How's St. Louis treating you? St. Louis is is good. It's uh, you know we're we're mid July, so we're we're kind of in the uh, very hot, very humid, <laughs> uh, very uh, daily thunderstorm season. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, other than that, every, everything is good. How you know? And I'm curious because I haven't gotten down there. Uh, I guess probably a year or two. Um, how is the pool scene, generally speaking? Are you guys uh, sort of coming out of the recession, or has it made much of a dent? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, early on in the recession, we, we did not see, um, you know, a, a, any type of decline. We, we always kind of assumed we were recession-proof, if you will, yeah. uh, low-cost entertainment. Um, uh, the last couple of years, we our, our membership numbers have been down slightly, um, you know, so we're looking at some different ways to, uh, you know, to kind of invigorate uh, the brand and, and get more people interested in in playing pool, and I think that's probably what what all of us are are uh, are doing. So yeah. um, here specifically in St. Louis, uh, things are well. We actually last year just uh, purchased um, our, our St. Louis league. Most of our leagues are run by franchisees, uh, our, our league operators. Right. Uh, and in the case of St. Louis, uh, because we wanted to have a better feel for for what our people were uh, dealing with in the marketplace. Uh, we had the opportunity, and, and so we, we made our um, so we basically have our first corporate run league here in the St. Louis market. So we're we're kind of learning uh, or relearning a lot of things firsthand sure. uh, to try to help our our franchise network around uh, around the country and uh, really across North America, and, and of course our, our leagues in Japan as well. So yeah, well, this has been going on for quite a while. I understand uh, this is your thirty fifth anniversary. Is that correct? Yeah, well, it's not personally my 35th anniversary. Well, I've been I know. about 15 years, but uh, uh, yeah, APA is, is celebrating its its 35th anniversary, and it's it's kind of hard to believe that uh, that the company's been around that long. But uh, it's it's been a good uh, been a good ride thus far, and we're hoping for another you know another 35 years of success. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can't argue with success. You know, uh, I think the numbers speak for themselves. People love to play pool; they really do. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I would definitely agree. I, I think one of the keys to to our success is is you know kind of the handicapping system and allowing us to to go out and look for, you know, just just your general public people, not necessarily always your your good right. pool players. I mean, we certainly have a a large number of of them in the leagues as well, but uh, 
you know, the, the equalizer, which is our handicapping system, really allows us to, to go out and just look for, for the guy at the bar or the girl, you know, in the supermarket or, or whoever it is and try to get them into the league. And mm-hmm. I think that's what has, has really uh, led to our success. That and, and a really strong network of, of league operators. I mean, our, our people out there that, that run our leagues are, uh, are as good as it gets, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now you're, um, I want to say this with as, with as much respect as possible. Your sure. your illustrious leader Larry uh, is no longer with us. Uh, what yeah. can, can you say a few words about Mr. Hubbard? Yeah. Uh, so so Larry Hubbard, one of one of our two co-founders, in addition to to Terry Bell, and, and both incidentally uh, Hall of Famers. They were both elected in 2010 mm-hmm. for uh, meritorious service. But uh, but Larry Hubbard, one of really one of the the top uh, professional players of uh, you know the the mid to late 70s and into the 80s. Um, you know, he passed away. I guess it's been almost a year now. It'll be a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, August twenty second. We were out in Vegas at our tournament. It was. It was actually. Um, it was actually the 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 evening after our Masters uh, finals concluded, and uh, and we got word that uh, you know that Larry had passed away, and uh, it was hard. You know, I'm kind of getting a little little teary eyed as I think about it. So it's just hard to believe it's been a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Really great guy. Uh, in addition to to being a great pool player, just a uh, Really good sportsman. I, I think our, our founder, or our other founder, Terry Bell, put it best. And just a, you know, gentleman is really the best word that I, that I think you could use to describe Larry. You know, I mean, never, never an ill word to say about anybody. Um, you know, always very level-headed. Uh, just you know, as nice a guy as you could ever meet. Right. And uh, and and so his loss was uh, it was tough for a lot of us. You know, um, not just here. At our office in St. Louis, but but really our network wide. I mean, we've we've got uh, league operators that have been around mm-hmm. uh, almost 35 years that that obviously kind of grew up yeah. with with Terry and Larry when the company was very young, and uh, and so it was very difficult. But uh, you know, his wife Nancy uh, is still here in the area. Uh, you know, Larry left behind uh, six children and I think eight grandchildren. So uh, we're blessed in that we're able to still see them all frequently, and and he kind of lives on. Uh, through them, sure. uh, this past spring, uh, we actually announced to our, our franchise network and then to our membership base uh, in April that that we have uh, or are in the process of naming our U.S. Amateur Championship trophy uh, the Larry Hubbard Trophy. So mm, you know we, we okay. we're finding ways to to remember him, and I think that's you know a really great way to do it i don't know how familiar you are with the us amateur championship but it's it's one of the few events maybe the only event in pool that, that actually has no prize money you know the players that, that come out and play in the us amateur uh do it for really the love of the game you know right, the, the, right. the the legacy that it leaves behind uh you know understanding that you know prize money comes and goes but the, but uh, you know a us amateur championship title really lasts forever and so we thought what better way for us to to you know, kind of memorialize Larry by by putting his name on on that trophy that bears the name of of all of our U.S. amateur champions, and and then we're actually also in the process of creating um, kind of a, a memorial uh, exhibit, if you will, here at the office that will house a number of his uh, you know his a couple of his playing cues and uh, some of his trophies and, oh, cool. and some, you know older photographs. So yeah. uh, and we're actually going to allow you know members or, or any general public people that that happen to be in the area. You know, if they want to come in and, and, and take a look at it, you know, once we've got that created, uh, we're, we're happy to allow for it. But, 
you know, just looking for ways to, to remember Larry because, you know, in addition to being a very successful businessman, was an outstanding pool player, and I think more importantly, uh, a, a true gentleman and, uh, you know, a good father and, and grandfather. So yeah. we, we've tried to do our best to remember him as best we can. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's great. That's really good. Do you feel like, um, and, and this is pr- maybe a hard question for you to answer, but I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud here. Do you feel like um, that the APA uh, has succeeded in what he felt it should be? You know, I think so, and I'm not sure a lot of people really know the history of APA so much, but, you know, originally Terry and Larry uh, were, were part of the, the pro circuit, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll tell you this, this story, and I'll kind of uh, sum it up very quickly, but, uh, you know, the, the story of, of a, a meeting of most of the great players in the late 70s got together, uh, and there were some investors that were looking to kind of, uh, you know, help infuse the, the sport of, of men's pro pool at the time, and, uh, you know, and, and Terry happened to stand up in that meeting and said, you know, until we can establish a strong fan base, it's going to be very difficult for a professional pool to thrive. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think those comments fell on a lot of deaf ears in that room. I, you know, I think most of the, of the players at the time were more interested in, you know, let's have some tournaments, let's put the prize money into that. And the only person in that room, aside from, from Terry, to agree with that, uh, those comments was Larry Hubbard, and that's <laughs> that's really where the two of those, uh, where the two of them, their their relationship started to flourish from there, and right. uh, and, and they started developing the league concept. Um, and we're we're very fortunate early on to get Anheuser Busch uh, behind the concept. You know, obviously our our, our initial leagues were were called the Bush Pool Leagues, mm-hmm. and um, y- you know I can remember Larry a long time ago talking about um, you know how great it would be at some point if you know, we had enough league members to fill Bush Stadium, and that's our baseball stadium where the, the Cardinals <laughs> play here in St. Louis. I think it seats about, you know, currently forty-eight or 50,000. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, to, to look back and think that that was his vision for success and to know that, you know, we, we've now, you know, we could fill the, the stadium five times over. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely say that, 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 that Terry and Larry uh, were, were very successful, and I think their recognition uh, by their induction in the Hall of Fame in 2010 kind of, cements that or, or yeah. you know or confirms that but yeah. um you know it's it's uh we miss him a lot i, I know we're, we're talking a lot about him but but we definitely miss him and uh and we look for every way we can to remember him as best we can so well you know you you mentioned talking a lot about him but i i don't feel that bad talking a lot about him for one reason and that is try to not you but for the listener try to imagine um if you're in any way, you know, involved in the pool world, try to imagine what what this place would be like without the APA if it didn't exist today. You know, where would sure. the, where yeah. would the league scene be? Well, it wouldn't be very far. You know what I mean? There would not be a whole heck of a lot of organized pool going on, especially given the 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 recession and this slump and the professional pool and everything else combined. You know. It's almost as if the APA is, uh, you know, it's the glue that's holding it together right now, you know? Well, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate those comments, and I, and I know, you know, Terry and, and Larry would as well. Uh, you know, we do like to kind of think of ourselves as, as, as always bringing in new blood into the industry. 
um, you know, and, and players, you know, that, that maybe have never picked up a cue stick coming in, yeah. um, you know, getting involved in the sport in our leagues. And, you know, and, and some of them stick around and continue to play in our leagues. Some of them migrate into, right. you know, regional tour systems. And, you know, we, we've had players that played in our league that have migrated to the pro tour. So, right, right. Um, you know, you're right. I, I mean, I think Larry leaves behind a number of legacies, you know, the, the business being one, his, his Hall of Fame uh, credentials, uh, you know his his wife and his children and his grandchildren and and obviously the the trophy designation with the U.S. Amateur. So so you're right. I mean you know I think uh, I, you know it's hard to know that he's gone, but in a lot of ways we've tried to to kind of keep him mm. <laughs> kind of keep him a part of 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 the APA because sure. he was such a big part of it. Sure. So. Absolutely. No, I agree. I tell you what we're gonna do. Um, let me take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we will talk about some of your. Uh, the events you have coming up uh, here real quick. All right, sounds good. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, everybody, I'm back, and I'm talking to Jason Bowman from uh, the APA. He's the National Marketing, Marketing Director. And, uh, Jason, why don't you give us a rundown of uh, – you guys have got a bunch of events coming up, right? Yeah, well, we actually are in the middle – I think I mentioned this in the beginning of our segment, but we just finished up kind of our qualifying season um, for all of our leagues around the country sending – uh, the top teams or the top finishing teams to, to Vegas. So right. we just got through that in, in uh, late spring, early summer. Uh, we've got we've actually got our inaugural uh, juniors championships coming up next week uh, in Davenport, Iowa. It's, it's the first year APA has run a national uh, juniors championship. Cool. Uh, so we're we're pretty excited about that. We uh, I think we've got 128 players uh, planning on being there. So. Uh, we're very interested in, in seeing how that goes. Obviously, our sport is, is very much in need of uh, getting more younger participation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're you know we're actively looking for ways that that we can help that cause. Um, and then in about a month, a little over a month, we've got uh, the world's largest pool tournament, our, our event in Vegas, the National Team Championships. And I'm not sure how many listeners are aware, but when I say world's largest pool tournament, that is not just a tagline. That's legitimately <laughs> uh, certified by Guinness Records. A, a few years back, they they uh, they came out and, and did some counts, and uh, and so when we say world's largest pool tournament, that's that's a legitimate claim. But uh, yeah, that that's happening uh, August 13th through the 23rd, and, and really that's you know for us that's our big show. We you know virtually all of our staff here at the the national office go out. A number of our league operators from around the country. Uh, come out and help, and, and we expect anywhere from uh, twelve to fifteen thousand uh, players out there. In addition to you know a number of billiard vendors, um, we've got some pros that come out. Of course, uh, Jeanette Lee will be out there. We've got uh, you know Dr. Q, Tom Rossman. We've got Florian Kohler, uh, the Internet sensation, uh, will be out there. Um, I've actually got a meeting in a couple of days with Mark Wilson of the Moscone Cup team. Uh, hoping to get a couple of of uh, the team members out there uh, to kind of build on some of the me- momentum that that he has yeah. uh, started to generate for the Moscone yeah, Cup team. Cool. So we're Very we're cool. extremely excited. Should be a great event. We're we're looking at paying out. I think this year 
a little over 1.2 million at our August event. So mm-hmm. a lot of prize money will get handed out, and uh, so we're excited. You know, it's 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 a lot of work. It's kind of what everything. You know, our business kind of operates in a cycle. You know, uh, and so it's kind of the culmination of of the year for us. And uh, and so it's it's a lot of work, but we get all geared up, and the adrenaline gets going, and and we just you know work our butts off for for a good ten days, and and then we come home and relax for a couple days, and then we start it all over again. So <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's that's kind of the the point in the year that that we're at right now. So very exciting time for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely. I imagine the uh, the players are probably excited too. You know, this is uh, the big hoorah that's coming up that they all look forward to. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're one of my favorite things about our tournament is when you see players that are out there for the first time, and they walk into those tournament rooms, and you just have, you know, row after row after row of table. I mean, hundreds of tables, and the, and the tournament room is is just spectacular, you know, and they're just in awe of it. It's like nothing they've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been with APA 15 years now, and still every time I see that for the first time, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's inspiring, you know. Uh, so I, I don't doubt that, that our members that are out there for the first time competing, it's, you know, it's just got to be the thrill of a lifetime. And really that's what we go for, you know, uh, when it comes to kind of our goal for the event is we want to make sure that, that everybody come out, come, that comes out there uh, walks away having had, you know, the experience of a lifetime, you know, something that, that they'll always treasure, something they're going to go home and, and talk to their friends and family about, uh, something that they're very proud to have been part of. And, uh, and you know, and, and so kind of in a nutshell, sure. that's, that's our goal uh, with, our, with our big national events. And how long does that, um, how long does the whole thing take to execute? Well, the, the national team championships is actually a number of tournaments. You've got the nine ball uh, event, team event. You've got the eight ball team event. Right. You've got the uh, the Jack and Jill doubles event, the ladies championship, uh, and then of course we've got the masters championship, which is uh, really growing in popularity amongst the, the higher skilled players. There's no handicapping with that event. It's a combination of, of eight ball and nine ball. So uh, that 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 particular event continues to grow each year. But the overall event runs about ten days. It runs the the thirteenth. Uh, through the 23rd, um, you know, and again, that encompasses all of those, those different events. So we'll head out, you know, uh, probably a week before to start setting up and getting ready. It's, it's quite a process, I can tell you, to set up, you know, an event of this magnitude. It's, it's just unbelievable, the teamwork oh, yeah. and coordination that, that goes into it. Um, you know, and, and so and then we, we're there a couple days after the event to, to tear down. Uh, and then we all head home to our families who we we've missed dearly, and, and we just kind of exhale for a couple days and sleep. I think when I come back from the event, I, I sleep for you know if it seems like for almost a day straight because it's just uh, yeah. you know the adrenaline keeps you going, and then once you're home, you're just you, you just kind of are, are done at that point for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you, and it's probably the same way for the players too. The, for them, they're the same thing, even though they're not even on the back end of it. For them to to go through all the the oh, I I, I got to imagine so. Yeah, so I mean, you know, just the 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 uh, you know Vegas in general with the heat and, and everything else and and the excitement that they're feeling and the adrenaline, um, you know, that and and you know, in order to run an event in ten days like that, uh, we pretty much keep them playing around the clock. Now they don't necessarily play round after round after round until later in the event, but uh, 
you know, they 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 stay busy playing pool as as long as they're in the event, and and then you know, for those that that exit the event, obviously they have all of Las Vegas to enjoy as well. So um, <laughs> I, I'm sure they they come home and feel very similar to how we feel at the end of the event, which is just kind of, yeah. uh, whew, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Speaking of, um, I'm going to grab one more question out of you, and then I'll get out of your hair. Um, what, sure. What do you think about this year's Moscone Cup? Moscone Cup, yeah, I was actually out in Vegas in December, uh, so I was able to, it was actually the first time I've had a chance to see it firsthand. Mm. Uh, awesome event. It, you know, if, if, you've, if, you've, if you're in the pro pool uh, and you've never been to a professional pool tournament, Highly recommend it. I mean, out of all of them that I've been to, it is it is just uh, you know it's head and shoulders above the rest, in right. my opinion. Really awesome yeah. concept, the team concept, Sky Sports, uh, Barry Hearn. Uh, you know they they do it very well. Yeah. You know they they do it the right way. Um, obviously, the 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 Americans' performance last year was was not what most of us had hoped. Um, <laughs> so that was a little disappointing, but uh, we're excited to see. The work that uh, Mark Wilson's doing to, to kind of prepare the team this year, I think he was an excellent selection, uh, you know, to kind of head up the team. Yes. Uh, coincidentally, he actually lives uh, right here in the St. Louis area. Yeah. He's over on the Metro East side, but but he runs the, the billiard program out of Lindenwood, which is right there in St. Charles, about 10 miles down the road. So yep. uh, excited to meet with him uh, this week to, to see what, what APA might be able to do to help kind of um, – you know, to help the momentum that, that he's already started to generate and, mm-hmm. and get people interested in the Moscone Cup. As far as, as how we'll fare this year uh, in England, hard to say. I, I mean, I, I think he's going to have them well-prepared. I would anticipate that, that, that the Americans will fare better than they did last year. Um, but it, it's hard to say. I mean, the European team is just very strong yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, you know they're they're very well versed. Uh, obviously, they have a lot of momentum, oh, yeah. a lot of confidence in this particular format and in mm-hmm. this particular event. Mm-hmm. So you know it would I think it would be it, it would be an upset for the Americans to go in and win, but it would, not necessarily a um, I don't know if it would necessarily be a surprise, but I think it would be considered an upset yeah. for them for them to go in and get it done. But yeah. you know I'm optimistic as as I think most are and. Like I said, I think Mark is is doing things well and preparing them, and uh, you know, hopefully they can uh, they can go in and and do kind of what no one expects them to at this point. Yeah, that would be. Great. And at the minimum, and at a minimum, perform you know a little bit better than than we fared uh, this, <laughs> this past year, and I definitely yeah. think you'll see that. Yeah, so. sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think they got a sharp bunch. We got I got high hopes for them, and uh, I think that they'll they'll do it with integrity. So. Uh, yeah, you know, you can't lose that way. No doubt. No doubt about that. All right, Jason. Well, I appreciate your time, buddy. And um, we are going to uh, wish you guys the best of luck with your uh, your finals this year. And uh, All right, David. Well, I appreciate it. And, and before I go, I do want to commend you on what you're doing with uh, with American Billiard Radio. You know, there's mm. there's the billiard industry has, has some issues, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, people like you that, that, that are doing what you can to – to help the industry overall, I think it's a great thing. You know, it would be good if if all of us at some point could kind of get together and start pushing in the in the same direction. But uh, sure. you know, like I said, I just wanted to commend you on on what you and, and others like you uh, are doing to, to to kind of jumpstart our industry. So hey, uh, kudos you. to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I do appreciate that. We uh, we do what we can. So uh... not a problem. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure, and uh, you know, we'll hope to talk to you again soon. 
All right. You guys take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, David. Bye-bye. Scott Lee. I'm Andy G. And this is the One Minute Pool Instructor. What's on today? Well, this week we're going to discuss having standards in your pool game. Oh. What are some standards in your pool game, Randy? Well, I, I can't play without them. I think my first standard is what my bridge length is on a normal shot. My second standard would be my stance. And my third standard is my stroke speed. There you go. Um, those I gotta have those three to play pool. You do. Now, there are many more. But... Oh yeah. Well, how about uh, a standard place to hold your cue? Oh sure. That connects with that standard bridge length. Yep. That's very important. Uh, how about a standard rhythm in how you yeah. establish your process to get ready and, and to once hit the again, ball? Nobody else has to do what I do, and I don't teach what I do. But I take two warm-up strokes. Why? I want just to look at where I'm going to hit the cue ball. If I didn't do that, I would get out of that rhythm you were talking about, or out of sync. And you so, do that looking at the cue ball. I sure do. Why, yeah. why do you look at the cue ball when you do your warm-ups as opposed to back and forth between the cue ball and object ball? Well, warm, well it's called the quiet eye. We've yep. talked about that. Yep. But uh, warm-up strokes are designed to be aiming at the cue ball. So if I'm aiming at my cue ball, why would I want to be looking at my target ball? I agree. So, yeah, my warm-up strokes are basically two warm-up strokes of my cue ball, looking for a green light from my brain that says, yep, you're on your cue ball. That's, that's where you want to hit it. And that happens at the end of that warm-up cycle. Yeah. And, and so I've got a lot of standards in my game. Um, so therefore, the neat thing about having a standard is when I have to go into a non-standard shot, like jacked up over a ball or off a rail or a jump shot even, right? Sure, a kick. I have another set of standards that go into that. Sure, for kicking. All right, I change my eye pattern, um, and I don't look at my target ball. I look at a point on the rail when I kick. And we look at the cue ball last because the contact point on the cue ball, which relates to that place on the rail that you're taking in is so vital. So vital. Yeah, that's like kind of on a break. I do that on a break. Absolutely. So yeah, they're standards, but a standard is meant to be modified. Yep. So how can you modify something if you don't know what standard is? You have to define that stuff. I you, think there's there no way to have that process be totally unconscious until we define it, train it, and practice it. A, a very wise man said you cannot measure what you can't Measure. Measure. Yeah. Can't fix. You can't fix you, what you can't, which can't measure. measure. See, I, he's wiser than I You can't fix what you don't know about. Yeah, you can't fix it if you don't know. We don't know what we don't know, do we? I guess I better read a book again. <laughs> i got to get smarter. This is Randy G. And this is Scott Lee, and this has been the One Minute Pool Instructor. Join us next week when we'll be discussing choke syndromes. Ooh, that sounds scary. Hey everybody, we're back here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. This is Pool on the Grind, and I'm your host, Allison Fisher. 
and I am very uh, excited and honored to be joined by Dawn Hopkins. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. And we're, uh, we're currently in East Rutherford, New Jersey for the Tri-State Tour uh, Invitational and Hall of Fame induction, which Dawn was just inducted to. And so I'd just like to start out by saying congratulations to you, Dawn. You're one of the founders or the sole founder of the Tri-State Tour? Yes, the sole founder. And what year was it that you, uh, you founded the tour? Well, it was around 1988 I started, um, well, probably, yeah, 1988. I think I started the All About Pool Tour a little bit earlier than that in New England. That was where it first, the whole thing first began. Mm -hmm. um, I started a magazine. It was going to be a newsletter because I couldn't find where all the tournaments were. Mm -hmm. Unless you were on a flyer from the pool rooms if they had your email ad or your mailing address because there was no email back then either. Sure. So... I decided to start a magazine to let everybody know where all the tournaments were and that kind of formed into a tour. So when I, I started tours up there, one for the men and one for women, and, um, and it spread down in this area, which is how the Tri-State Tour came about. It was actually through all that process that this tour began. began. What kind of uh, reaction did you get from the players when you got the momentum for starting out with the tours? Oh, they loved it because they were in the same position I was. They, you know, you had to kind of be an investigator to figure out where you were going to go. So this way they could just pick up the magazine and see that. Not only that, I had, I had a point system so they could see where they were on the point system. And um, there was, you know, prizes and things at the end of the year. So I think, you know, I, I really think it helped to build up the, the pool in the area. Uh, the pool rooms were very supportive because, of course, they love the business. And um, so it, I think all in all, it was, a, it was a really good thing to do. And these guys that are continuing on, um, Todd and John and everybody else that's involved down here in the Tri-States, I, I just think that's a wonderful thing that 26 years later, here it is still going strong and probably stronger than when I had it. Well, and I, what I think is really uh, awesome is that what you did was really groundbreaking for the sport in that, like you said, no one really knew where to go or how to find, find tournaments. So you broke, you know, you broke new ground for um, players being able to compete regularly and know, know where to go. So that's, that's really fantastic and it obviously paved the way for the other tours you know, throughout, throughout the country too. Yeah, um, well, who knows when you do these things. It, sure. It was kind of selfish on my part. It's like, <laughs> I want to go to the tournament, so I'm going to do this. But, you know, you just find a need and you try to fill that need. Sure. And um, it worked out well for me. Um, you know, from there, we also use some of the, well, for the women, we use some of the tournaments as qualifiers to the Pro Tour eventually. Uh, so that was a big bonus for the people that were trying to break into the Pro Tour. I was already in the Pro Tour at that time, so, um, you know, for them, I think it's, it's been a good thing, too. And now, what, what years did the All About Pool Tour run from? Um, well, it was probably earlier. Uh, it's a long time ago, so to try to remember back. Sure. But I think it was around 86, is my guess. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it might have been later. I might be off in the years. But um, so that ran probably for a couple, two, three years, and then I moved down here with my ex-husband Alan Hopkins, and you know, of course, I still I still carried on in New England. But being here, I wanted the same thing here, and I could see that vision. So. New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania were at that time were what I called the tri-state tour. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe I started with the women and then had the men's come after that. Um, and again, it was the same thing. It, it just gave a vehicle for the women to, to get to the pro tour, which I think is important, you know. And, you know, we're, we're all passionate about this sport. It's a great sport. So it was easy for me to, to see that vision and see, you know, what what to do with that so so that it would give that vehicle to people because I just love the sport and I want everybody to enjoy mm -hmm. the sport. Yeah, and I can I can see now even even now it seems like there are more and more women participating and yesterday in the the lower division, the D and D plus class, the four top players were all women. Oh that's great. And uh, a woman, Yomilin Phillies, who plays on the other regional tours won the B class that so she she's moving on today and then um, the player who won is Amy Yu and won the D class so they're moving on today to play in the final rounds to see who can become the overall invitational champion That's great. so it's uh it's exciting to see and I obviously be here with you and talk about the history of the sport is is so great because uh it, it's um it's really a really pleasure for me to uh to see how things have come along so well, i think i thank you and yeah thank you for you know trailing this with you know with your the whatever this media kind of thing because sure. this does captivate you know the audience and it, it's a history and it's a way for the history to be recorded mm -hmm. so you know back then that's why I, I can't remember a lot of dates and the only thing I can go by is the dates on the magazines and I don't even have a copy of my own <laughs> magazines right now so, wow. um, so thanks for, for recording all this yeah it, I think it's really important because there's so there's so little out there in the greater you know the greater mainstream media that, like you said, the need needs to be filled. So, uh, you know, we stepped stepped up to the plate with what we do with NYC Grind as well as American Billiard Radio, and everyone's trying to collaborate and do something that can be um, uh, be progressive and be uh, important for the players. You know, so that they can look back and say, "This is what we did, and this is this is how we we did something new and different." Right. I do. I do want to say too, before I forget, you know, I started the magazine and everything back then, but I did have some help along the way. Nadine Mazzola, um, she uh, she actually ran the women's tour oh, in New England. Okay. So, and it was kind of through the magazine. But, but she did all the work for, for the women's tour. I was doing, focusing on the men's I tour see. at the time, and then I came down here, and I did the men and the women's here. But when I, I, uh, when I kind of broke off a little bit, then um, Michaela, I know Michaela Dames and Barbara Stock, uh, they ran the tour for a while. Colleen Shoup mm -hmm. was helping. Candy Rigo 
who was from New England. Right. She helped with the J.P. Newt tour, uh, which used to be called the Women's Tri-State Tour. They morphed into the J.P. Newt oh. tour, which is still going right, right. now. Um, so, uh, and Linda Shea is running that mm -hmm. now. So it's been, you know, a handful of women who, on the women's part of it, who have who have really taken over and, and uh, continued it on where, you know, Todd and John and, and whoever else is involved, I'm not even sure these days, mm -hmm. um, they continued with the Tri-State Tour, so. Wow, yeah, I, I have played on the on the J.P. Newt, the J.P. Shower Northeast Women's Tour, and I, I didn't know that that's how the history behind that tour came to be. So that's really, it's really interesting to find out and, and see how things have evolved and you, you just never know how how things will how things will play out so now um let's go let's go back to your you know, career with the wpba so what year what year did you officially become a pro for those that that may not be familiar i started playing in 1983 mm -hmm. um, i was in florida at the time and in 1984, I went into my first pro event, which was the U.S. Open, and there were 16 players, and I was one of the 16, <coughs> and I actually won a match in that, which was, you know, surprising. So from there, um, I just played part-time because I worked a couple of jobs, and I would play part-time and go on my vacations, but I did very well in the beginning, so I just continued. I think it was about... Let's see, I started the magazine in the late 80s. I was working a couple of jobs back then, doing the magazine on my typewriter on one of my jobs. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then when that was successful enough, I was able to um, just do the magazine and play on the Pro Tour. So I went full-time on the Pro Tour about 1990. Mm. And in 1993, I got a sponsorship from Viking Q's. I uh, I was doing very well on the tour and and decided to sell the magazine and just focus on the tour. So I think it was 1993-ish that I sold the magazine to Bob Campbell, mm. uh, and then th then things progressed from there with the with the tours and everything. So WPBA I've been playing since full time since 1990. Mm -hmm. um, I reached the top 16 in 1993. I think when the first classic tour event started, sure, um, I had a goal and and I reached that goal. I was in the top 16 within a couple of months, and I stayed in the top 16 for years. And I think probably probably 80% of my career I've been in the top 16. So I think that's what I'm more most proud of is the consistency that I've had in the tour. Um, I still compete. I think I'm ranked 18th now. So. I gotta boost it up there a couple of notches. Yeah. And um, you know, that's a wonderful thing considering how many great players are on the tour these days. So I'm very lucky. Most you know, most definitely that's uh fantastic that you've been able to uh, continue as far as you have um on the tour and you've really been uh, an inspiration to a lot of the younger players and Obviously, everyone everyone looks to you as as being um, a real leader. So we're all, we're all very um, appreciative of of everything you've done for the tour, both the tour and for 
cool in general. Well, thank you very much. It's um, This sport has been a blessing to me. I've learned a lot of life lessons through the sport mm -hmm. because, you know, this, it's all about emotions when you get into the game and um, dedication. Uh, you have to dedicate yourself. There's sacrifices that you have to make. Um, and then once you get in there and play, you want to win so bad, then, then it's all about the emotions yeah. and, and trying to really keep your head on. And I wasn't real good at that, you know, years ago. Um, so in order for me to continue on, I had to learn all about controlling those emotions mm -hmm. and letting things go and not letting things bother me. And, you know, when people, uh, there's all kinds of situations that come up and you have to be ready for all those. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of what that coupled with the thought that I've always been a dreamer like like that you don't have to get stuck in some cookie cutter job that everybody says you have to do and and I was a rebel with that I was like that that's not so you make what you want out of life there are sacrifices mm -hmm. and you have to support yourself you can't just expect other people to support you while you're doing your fun things right but why can't you make a life out of doing your fun things. You can, and, and that's kind of the message that I always have given because I looked for opportunities to be able to pay for me being able to just play and do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that was with the magazine, and um, I did the Super Billiards Expo with my ex-husband, and, you know, videos and exhibitions and uh, doing the ESPN commentary for so many years and, um, you know, just looking for opportunities where I can stay in this sport that I love so much mm -hmm. um, and not have to rely on everybody else to support me. And so everybody can, if you have a dream, if you have a love, just look for opportunities and how to, how to do that so you don't have to do the cookie cutter. And maybe you do have to do the cookie cutter thing for a little while while you do the fun on the side and build that up. And that's kind sure. of what I did. I worked two jobs. One of them was at a pool room so that I could play. And then building the magazine, making the money from the magazine, slowly building it up until it was at a point where I could leave those jobs. You know, it's all, it's all possible. And uh, I, I really got involved with the kids after uh, several, um, some years, uh, Laura Smith and I, we were on a road trip for one of the tournaments and we were talking and we both kind of had the same passion as we wanted to transfer all of this knowledge that we had about life skills to the kids because it's such a great sport to mm -hmm. pass on to the kids that, you know, you don't have to be a certain size or a certain age or, you know, you can be a dork or you can be a, the hip kid, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So um, we started to work with the Billiard Education Foundation, which was the organization that um, ran the Junior National Championships. And so I did that for several years and did some after-school programs, building that up. And uh, I wrote a curriculum for uh, the, the after-school programs, like a, a curriculum that taught not only the sport, but taught other things of life skills. And so, you know, I just keep looking for things like that in my life, and I just go where, where the love is and the passion is.
I think that's a really great message that you're able to convey and especially to young people who they may be very discouraged right now per se with uh, you know the economy still being tough and people just have to look a little bit more uh, creatively and say maybe I can do what I really want to do but I just have to figure out you know new ways of looking at things so I think that's a really great message that that you have to share and uh, especially with pool because pool has so many great benefits like you mentioned that maybe a lot of people might not ever consider how how much it can teach you and how much it can you know build for me it was a big con you know confidence builder because I was very introverted and I was like the um, the musical artsy type and I was never good at sports but once I started playing pool I was able to play against the guys beat up on my brothers <laughs> and so then I started to come out of my shell and then I was playing regularly on the weekends and going to tournaments all through college so I can really uh, appreciate having uh, having the chance to do do more and get kids involved because it was really very uh, important for me in that way and I know that others can can uh, benefit as well yeah if you if you go on YouTube and you search billiard education foundation there's a, about a six minute clip up there that Laura and I had produced and it was basically interviewing uh, interviewing kids mm -hmm. uh, at the time Brittany Bryant was one of the junior championship right. um, she was in a, the junior tournament that we were at at the time and um, several other juniors that were there we interviewed uh, and parents of those juniors who were teachers so they had that outlook on the ki the pool and school thing yeah but um, the video was meant to kind of show the schools why billiards is such a great thing for the kids and Brittany Bryant, who has now become one of the top pros on the tour and mm -hmm. has done very well on the tour, um, she she actually said kind of the same exact thing that you did. She was very shy, and pool has just given her that confidence, um, and she's really you know blossomed in that sense. She's you know you would never know that she was a shy person. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just uh, it it lets you shine no matter what what your situation is if you have diabetes and you can't do other sports if you're if you're uncoordinated mm -hmm. um, or if you're coordinated like me for me I, I was very um, athletic like I did all kinds of sports and I just was always good at whatever sport I did mm -hmm. um, but pool was the one that captivated me because um, oh well, I don't know why I just fell into it and who knows why these things happen sure. but I'm glad I did and I'm glad I'm here and uh, it's just wonderful, and I, and I know it'll continue on for me for a while. So now, what uh, what are you focused on now, currently? Right now, I've um, in, I've got a business that I that I invested in, which is the American Pool Players Association. It's uh, the league, the APA leagues, mm -hmm. and so I bought a franchise in New Jersey. I've got uh, Monmouth and Ocean Counties in New Jersey, and this is kind of an investment into the sport that I love but for my future. And uh, it's been great. I've met a lot of nice people out of that. Uh, you know, they're on the amateur level, so I can contribute a little bit to their, to their game to help them out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, it gives me a different perspective and kind of brings me back to remembering when I 
you know, first started. And so, but it's been great. Um, I do a lot of different things with them, running tournaments and, you know, promoting, which I love to do, you know, through the expos. I did the, you know, like I said, the, the Super Billiards Expo for 20 years. It became the largest expo in the world. So I love to promote and produce and organize. That's mm -hmm. part of me, too, is, is I have that love, too. I did the Niagara Falls WPBA event. That was uh, my production in Atlanta Billiards Show. I did that one. So this business that I have now, it just I have the flexibility to pretty much do whatever I want. If I want to run tournaments for them, I do some charity events. That's and awesome. Yeah, it's just a, it's a fun thing. Um, so I'll do that for a while, and I do a little music also on the side, and and, um, and just enjoy life. You know, my, my children, I have two, two boys, Billy Best, who is 36, and, and Bo, mm -hmm. who is 19, and um, they're just wonderful kids. I'm getting ready to go on a road trip with them in August, oh, and that's, that's exciting. going to be very fun out west, and we're going to start in Vegas and end up in California. Oh, cool. Um, so, you know, and I've got a grandson, Max, from Billy, and life is great, you know, just family, friends, pool, what could, you know, music, what could be better? Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like you'll have a, a, lot of, a lot of fun things to happen over the summer. Yes, yes, I will. I, uh, I try not to do anything that isn't fun. That's my, <laughs> that's my philosophy. If I'm not having fun, I'm not going to do it. There's no point in doing it. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Don, and it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Well, thank you very much. And again, thanks for doing this because it, uh, you know, for someone like me, it, it uh, gives the avenue to let people know what's going on and the history of things because that shouldn't be forgotten you know how Todd and John someday somebody will be inducting them for what they're doing yeah. and, uh, and I appreciate that opportunity thank you all right well thank you to everyone out there listening and we appreciate you for checking out the show this week and we will be back next week and once again this is AmericanBilliardRadio.com I'm Allison Fisher signing off <laughs>